Hello and welcome to another episode of Lowdown. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Carlos Ortiz, head goalkeeping coach at Austin FC's Academy. Trust me, this is a story you need to listen to. Carlos, no pressure at all and welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Connor. Um, obviously, great to, great to see you again. Um, I feel like uh, when we met in Austin, it, it was a... Uh, uh, we we immediately, you know, it was it was very nice. Uh, I felt good energy from you, and and you know, thank you for inviting me. Very happy to be here. No, not at all. I mean, <laughs> it's a crazy enough story as it is. <laughs> Opening up the door and finding you on the other side, and what ensued was an hour and a half or two hours of some fantastic football chat back and forth. I mean, so it's obviously been a while in the making. You're someone I've been very eager to have on since we met during that day in August. Carlos, but you know what I want to do, and I do it at the beginning of every podcast, is bring it back to the start. I mean, I've heard your origin story now. I think it's time for you to tell the people because you grew up in an island off Colombia with 14 other siblings. You know, so Carlos, what was your earliest football memory? Uh yeah, obviously, um that day when, when we met, uh one of those things that we call either coincidence or or just magic destiny uh it, it was amazing because first of all I wasn't supposed to be there it was supposed to be a day off for me <laughs> second of all you were looking for Juan <laughs> uh or um sporting director of the academy um and therefore it just happened that I was the one who opened the door and welcomed you into into our um, uh, academy uh, facilities and and therefore we just start talking about football you know about soccer so so that was that was quite amazing uh, by itself and yes regarding um uh, the beginning of of everything with me yeah I was born in in a small island in the Pacific side of Colombia called Tumaco um I'm the youngest of fourteen siblings uh what they call an accident and nowadays I was supposed to be born was born four and a half years after my sister my youngest uh the the second youngest of my of my siblings which is my sister so yeah my mom was already in an advanced age and locally enough I'm, I'm here you know the <laughs> story uh with everything that that happened you know so so I'm, I'm very happy uh to make with a it's an island of uh, great footballers. Uh, and, uh, um, yeah, all we do there is play football, play soccer. Uh, that's about it. That's pretty much it. And do you have an earliest football memory, Carlos, if I'm going to push you for one? My earliest memory was uh, one day... Um, I used to play basketball before anything, and one day they needed uh in um in my um, elementary school they needed a player to go play soccer. It happens that I went and played, and I ended up scoring two goals. We, we ended up tying two two. And that day, never played soccer before. Uh, I was I was very young, and after that, I fell in love with the sport. Although I still kept playing basketball. Eventually, one day, um, I went to do. I went with a friend for a tryout. <laughs> uh, same in the island, and um, I wanted to be a field player. But that day, for any reason, I was wearing 
one of my brother's um goalkeeper's jerseys. And they're like, oh, we need a goalkeeper. Like, you have a goalkeeper jersey, you playing goal. And I ended, I ended up playing, and they actually signed me, signed me for the team. So after that, uh, forgot about basketball and started playing soccer. So, yeah, that's 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 probably the, the very first memories of of me playing soccer or football. Nowadays, I don't know what to call it. It's yeah. amazing. Obviously, we speak about at the start of the podcast, open up doors for one another. And it's a case like throughout your whole career, you've opened up a lot of doors for not only yourself, but for others as well. But, you know, bringing it all back to the very start, I remember you were telling me an absolutely fantastic story. I believe you climbed, what was it, to the top of your house or to some mountain on the island? You were there with your youngest sister, eight years of age, you were looking beyond the ocean only realizing and only seeing that there is a mainland to Colombia. Yes. So it was obviously at that age and point, I was extremely ignorant, innocent, uh, with uh, only my imagination going at that point. And yes, I was I was seven years old, about to be eight. And it was just us on top of our house, um, a house by the ocean, but don't think it's a, a, like a, mansion or anything like that no it was just a house made with wood and you know barely hanging and i'm going top i'm going the roof of it and by just watching really far on the horizon i realized that you know there's much more there than i could see daily you know and then um when when i asked my um my sister hey like is is tomaco uh, it's only it's Tumaco the only town in Colombia. They're like now, like Colombia is much bigger than than just our island. And I was like, really? And then she was like, uh, yes. And then besides Colombia, you have a whole continent. And besides the whole continent, you have the world. And besides the world, you have so many other planets and stars. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I asked my sister, how far can I travel? She's like. If you want, you can travel the whole world. I don't know if you can go to a different planet, but you can travel the whole world. And then I told her, well, I do want to travel the whole world one day. And hopefully it is playing soccer, you know, playing football. And she was like, I'm sure you can because we feel like you are, she said She said it in a, in a funny way, but then like, I think in a serious way, like you are, you are out of all of us, you are probably the one who have, is going to have that opportunity. So here I am many years later, and I will never forget that conversation because it has happened. I think another man in Austin, Mr. Elon Musk, would refute those claims about traveling to another planet. But, um, you know, Carlos, having that childhood sense of curiosity, is that something which you've been able to maintain throughout your career? Yes. Um, dreaming is always been uh, one of my um, uh, and therefore from dreaming, obviously setting up goals and and just just living life in general. Like I, I think like everything that I have either written down or put somewhere where I can see it every day has happened, you know? 
or some of my thoughts overtake um, all my energy. It, it also has happened, you know, to me. So, so I think like I'm, I have realized that throughout the years, I have been very lucky to to have done all the things I have done in in, in this life, and the obviously the older you get, the wiser you get, right? And I have realized how how much um dreaming and thinking, uh, the power of thinking about what you really want to do, what you really want to be in life, uh is probably the the driving force to to make things happen and have you a special term for that carlos is there something that you call it is that just mere visualization as a goal setting another another of my stories i was in bogota with uh with santa fe uh, football club um soccer team um I was there, I was probably 13 years old. And all of a sudden, as I was walking through the fields, there is this room, and it's a room of metaphysics. Never heard or knew anything about it. And something told me to get in that room, you know, in that in that actual, uh, yeah, in, in that place, store. I walk in, people talking about metaphysics. There's a big book about it. They gave it to me, and I was like, I was just surprised, you know. They just gave me that book. And they're talking about, you know, the the law of attraction. They're talking about uh, the definition of not the religious side of definition, but more of like the metaphysical part of, of, of what what spirit doing things with the spirit means. Right. That means being fully involved on what you're doing and doing it with not only uh, your physical uh, force, but also like all your mental side absolutely everything so i was fascinated with that book it was an older book um it took me a while to read it but after that i started thinking about okay i what what i got from my sister that book pretty much confirmed you know uh into like okay whatever i can think of whatever i i want to do in life it is possible you know and after that, um, the the second thing that happened was um, the secret. You know, there was something called the, the secret uh, that talks about a lot about the law of attraction. And from there, I I start making things um, happen just through my thoughts. You know, obviously it's not a magic button, right? Where you're gonna just push it and all of a sudden everything is gonna happen. Um, but um, start thinking about those things every single day as if nothing else matters. I mean, there is no any other anything on your way. And eventually, through so many obstacles, through so many different things, magically, the right people and you being in the right place at the right time, just all of a sudden happens. You know, that's that has been my experience through... Um, my 36 uh, years of oh well 28 years of life where um after my my eight my eight year of uh after i was eight years old you know and i have lived that since very much like the arc of the hero's journey don't know if you're familiar carlos well you speak about obstacles there and there was countless obstacles that you encountered in your playing career which spanned four continents 
I think for everyone listening, it'd be brilliant for you to enlighten them as to how you ended up moving off the island to South Korea, of all places, as a young goalkeeper aspiring to make it in the game. Correct. So I'll start first when um, uh, after playing, making that soccer team, right? I go to Bogota to uh, do... um. Uh, to go on vacation. My brother actually told me, hey, Carlos, come over here, you know, uh, to spend summertime with me. And then there is a chance for you to train with the state team, you know, just training. My brother knew what he was doing <laughs> because <laughs> a, a week later, I ended up playing with the, with the state team. And uh, funny enough, I had the, the privilege of playing against Radamel Falcao, saving a penalty against him. And uh, and and uh, doing really well during my vacation time, I ended up um, private school ended up um, signing me with a full scholarship, and then uh, Santa Independiente Santa Fe was there. You know, Independiente Santa Fe was there, so they signed me. Also, uh, I play a couple a couple of tournaments with them within like six seven months. We played the Colombian national team. We ended up beating them two to one. I ended up being in the in the camp of that U15 team. It was crazy. Like in less than a year, I have I just started doing so many, so many things. But funny enough, uh Connor, I have written that down. As that's happening, as I'm with Santa Fe, um we had the um privilege to play against uh, the South Korean national team at that point. Um the the U the one that was gonna be the U17 a few years later. So I play against them, I do really well, and then the, their assistant coach as the sporting director, his name is uh, Arturo Boyacá, and asking if I if I will be interested in going to South Korea. So he's like, let me ask him, but you probably have to talk to his parents because he's he's super young, you know. Uh Mom say yes, as long as I can study. Uh, I ended up going there and being there for, for almost a year. Almost a year. Um, unfortunately, I have to come back because uh, I promised my mom that I would study, and I didn't. I didn't learn the language. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't study because I was already in a professional environment. And, and then um, my mom was really big in education, you know, uh, is really big in education. Uh, same as my dad, even though they never went to school, all the four the fourteen siblings have finished university. So, so they they were taking they they take pride on that. And um, me being the youngest and not finishing high school at that point, um, was a little bit of of a still like a a goal no 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 fulfilled just yet for them, you know. So I came back home. When I come back, I, I come back to Deportivo Cali. I'm there for two years playing alongside um, players like Freddy Montero uh, and so many others, you know. I, I was the, had the fortune of being the captain of that team. John Kennedy Rital used to play for Cerro Sanders. And we we won the, the third division um, tournament, you know. When that happens... Uh, I signed a contract with a, a team called a Chico Football Club, uh, first team uh, that used, uh, was like promoted to the first division. But it wasn't very 
uh, stable, the situation there. Uh, my mom is still putting pressure on me. Hey, your sister just finished uh, university. What are you going to do? So again, we come back to the metaphysics, the secret, uh, love, attraction, however you want to call it. Magic. Uh, me just taking the genie out of the bottle, however you want to call it. And I tell my mom a lie that became truth. I told mom, uh, I'm going to study. I'm going to go to America. And um, I'm going to study in the university. And I'm going to play soccer. I'm going to do both. She's like, if you whether you play soccer or not, I don't care. I want you to study. Uh, I was so nervous because I lied to my mom at that point. It was a lie at that point. Then I go home. I I'm listening to like a sports show uh, in the radio, and as I switch it, uh, uh, there is this advertisement talking about um, scholarships in the U.S. It was just magic. It was too much of a coincidence. Uh, we talk about the frequency of of uh, yeah, energy frequency and being in the right moment at the right time. As soon as I listened to that, it was in Bogota. I was in Bogota. I took a bus and went straight into those office into the office, the headquarters of, of the company that was bringing those coaches from from the U.S. You know, they're like, "Yes, you need to do trials. You need to do a lot of paperwork." And then I was like, fine, I'll do it. I'll do it. Well, it was about 400 uh, players that show up for the, that three-day camp um, with three coaches coming in uh, from the, from universities in the U.S. None of them were looking for a goalkeeper. <laughs> so I was like, fine, I'm going to play. I'm going to play uh, the best I can so they have no other chance than taking me as a goalkeeper. You know, at that point, I was like more than thinking about anything. I was thinking about my mom being disappointed, you know, and it ended up happening where I made it to the final roster of, of the final 33, I guess, three teams. And then two of the coaches ended up actually uh, offering me scholarships. One was Gerson um, Echeverry, the, the head coach at that point from Seton Hall. Now RGB Toros, uh, the USL Pro Team, and then um, the other one was Angel Monroy. So in Grayson University, which was when I, where I ended up going, Jerson told me, I cannot take you because you don't speak English very well, which I didn't honestly. And then uh, Angel told me I can take you because we have ESL classes. You know, he sold it to me as something horrible. Because he's like, I gotta be blunt, honest with this guy, both honest with this guy, so to make sure he doesn't get disappointed at all. And he was like, It's a small town, there's nothing else to do other than soccer and to study. I'm like, That's exactly what I need. That's exactly what I need. I need to go to that place. You know, I wasn't thinking about New York, LA, Miami, anything crazy. That's all I wanted, you know. And then uh, I was like, you know what? It'll be nice to play to play college soccer to get my education. Uh, obviously, mom will be proud, but it will be also nice to play professional later. later you know, and I wrote it down on my on my on my journal. I wrote it down. I'm like, you know what? By the end of my fourth year in college, I want to be in an MLS team. 
you know, and I want to be there. I want to be in precision. This is what I wanted to happen. I forgot about the the journal, honestly. Uh, when I moved houses from college, uh, four years later, I'm sitting down in one in my in one of my seniors' uh, seminars, and I get a call from uh, Jeff Casar, assistant coach at that point of uh, Real Salt Lake. He calls, and I think it's a prank, honestly, because I'm like, okay, you know, it was a nice career. You were All-American two times. Uh, you won national championship. You won two conference championships, uh, two regional championships, defensive MVP, all that. I was like, that's so cool. But I'm like, you know what? If this is the end of it, I'm, I'm, I feel good. So when he calls, I just hang up because I'm like, oh my gosh, who's, who's joking around with me, right? He calls again. He's like, Carlos, uh, this is Jeff Casar. We are here in uh, Arizona doing our preseason with Real Salt Lake. I want to know if you want to come because uh, we we saw your videos. We've been following you, and we would love to for you to be to be here training with us. You know, I couldn't believe it. Uh, I was, I was, I went crazy, you know, I went crazy. As I'm packing, all my professors were, were very supportive of Graceland. As I'm packing up, it ended up happening that I found my journal with the date where I wrote that down, Connor. I could not believe it. I started crying, you know, I started crying because I was like, what is this about? You know? Because all this I had been doing it in the most, um, I won't say random, but like, just, yeah, just like organic way, you know, possible. But it just kept happening, right? It just kept happening. And um, so there I go to um, to train with Salt Lake. Uh, Team Melia was uh, training then uh, also. is now the goalkeeper for uh, Sporting Kansas City. Um, I had an international passport, obviously, and it was hard for me to make it. You know, Nick Rimando just won the MVP of the final. They beat um, LA Galaxy in the finals, actually, uh, at that point. And I didn't make the team, but I got the chance to go to Costa Rica to play in first division. You know? And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm actually a professional soccer player after all these four years of college and everything else, you know? Uh, getting um, two different careers, like uh, physical education and psychology. And here we are. So then as all this happens, and I'm in um, Costa Rica, I got there. I was the number three. And I'm like, man, it'll be nice to play one day, you know, to to be, to to make my debut, you know. I feel like, um, again, <laughs> just calling things and asking for things. Like three or four weeks later, um, the second goalkeeper goes to the youth 17 national team, young guy, uh, Danny Alvarado, uh, goes, goes with the national team. The number one goalkeeper um gets uh that is last name Cicada, gets uh injured, something happens, he gets hurt, and I walk in and I ended up playing, you know, I ended up playing. I made my debut, we won that game. And um, because I was officially like the number three goalkeeper, it was going to be really hard for me to play, especially if everybody was healthy. But then that game helped me to be called by a different team, you know, and and be also like 
the number two option. You know, so there I go. You know, the the coach, the head coach one day called me and he's like, Carlos, like this is happening. Like, you know, you hear the number three. I think you had a level to play. And uh, a coach, uh, Marvin Zolano, uh, he won a few championships already in Costa Rica. He wants, wants you to be part of their, their squad. So I'm like, sure. Thank you so much for your honesty. There I go. I go there, number two, second game uh, that I'm there. And uh, goalkeeper, the goalkeeper, the second goalkeeper, gets a red card. I go in, and I was the player of the week that <laughs> that, uh, that week. You know, then uh, we go into into a good uh, streak of of games and getting points and winning and I'm moving up in the table. And then, but before that, before that happens, before I move to the next team. Uh, I was like, you know what? I just want to play probably at least five or six games in front of fifty thousand people. I don't. I'm not asking for anything else. I wrote that down again, you know, and that's exactly what happens, you know. Then uh, there were there were a few problems with the team in regards to the uh, managerial and and the ownership. So we didn't finish playing at the end uh, the whole tournament, but like. Again, whenever that happened, my my like drive to be a professional soccer player started like slowly dying because the way I wrote it, it was in such a like, hey, this is you want to feel that that um adrenaline of playing in, in big stadiums of of doing this. And then you want nothing else to do, more or less. So I leave Costa Rica. I go to Australia to join a, a, a it's called the Victorian League second division team there. And it wasn't as competitive. It wasn't as competitive, you know, but still, like, I, I enjoy my time there in Australia. It was good. But then, again, similar thing. It's like, you know what? I just want to do my master's degree. You know, I want to do my master's degree in sports psychology. Uh, had the fortune of having a great coach, Ivan Joseph, in um in college. And knowing that that guy did so many things with us regarding uh, our mindset or how to prepare, how to be a professional, how to be a, a a good human, but at the same time, how to how to be successful, you know, and overcome um challenges. I'm like one day I want to be a coach, but I definitely want to be a sports psychologist. You know, I, within within the coaching, I, I want to use those tools. And um, there we go. Uh, my girlfriend at that point, um, by the way, she lives in she lives in Ontario. Um, she actually was in Greece at that point doing a, a master's in sports psychology. And she's like, "Well, why don't you come here? You know, you can play soccer here and." You can do your masters. So that ended up happening. You know, I ended up going there, uh, doing my master's degree. And then it was almost like a like a goodbye to soccer in a way. It was the time of the recession. It was it's really difficult, you know, uh, with football to do anything. But at the same time, I ended up like going to like a great university. It's called Tefa in Greece. And therefore I got to meet 
probably half of Europe, you know, traveling and, and doing so many things uh, regarding sports psychology, you know, meaning so many great uh, professionals um, in that topic uh, and great professors that are still my friends and, and great, great uh, students that are nowadays doing great things around the world, you know? So once that was done, as the end of my years come up, I was like, I would love to coach in my alma mater <laughs> before I go to a Division One school. But this is just me thinking, not having an actual plan. Just me like calling it and happening. Well, the head coach of my former university, because I was like, I want to give back to my university everything that I've learned, you know, everything that they gave me because I'm coming from nothing. I got a university degree thanks to them. And so many, so many opportunities started from there, right? Uh, the head coach calls me and tells me, Carlos, like, uh, would you like to come here? You know, I, I hear you, you may want to come back to the US. You know, so I'm like, yes, of course. You know, I would love to. They're like, he's like, okay, we can sponsor your visa. This is what's gonna happen. And I ended up coaching there, but thinking I'm gonna be there for a year and a half, two years max. And then I'm going to hopefully go to a D1 school and coach there. So as you're listening to all this, it's like a movie again, because I go back, I go back to school. I coach for a year and a half, 18 months, two seasons total, but yeah, a year and a half. And uh, in one of my recruiting trips in actually Cartagena, Colombia, I met the other coach that couldn't take me. Uh, because I didn't speak English, that he was now the head coach of that Division One school. At that, at that point when he recruited me, he tried to recruit me, he was the assistant coach. Now he's the head coach. And he's like, Carlos, I would like to bring you... Uh, I, I'm looking for a goalkeeper coach. I'm about to have the full-time job. And, you know, if, if you're interested, let me know. Well, yeah, ended up happening that um, I told him, if it's a full-time, I'll definitely go because, you know, right now I'm here part-time and everything. I ended up going there, uh, but before that, when I was actually in that recruiting trip, one of my friends, uh, another coach from a different university asked me like, oh, what's, what do you want to do next? I was like, you know what? I want to be a coach for a D1 school, an assistant coach, and hopefully that happens. I mean, I don't blame him, but he laughed. He laughed at me, right? He's like, well, like, you know, you can't do international. Like, that's going to be really difficult. And like, you know how many people are actually like looking for those jobs? And like, I don't know. I just, I just know I want to do that. You know, so it ended up happening. <laughs> uh, two and a half months later, I was in that D1 school. And I'm from there, um, you know, I was like, well, I would love to be with the pros one day, you know, as a coach. <laughs> Funny enough, two years later, uh, we ended up going to to the USL Pro team in uh, RGV. You know, he uh, Coach Jerson took me with him, uh, and there we were. You know, there we were. Obviously, uh, coaching uh, for about two and a half years. But again, like everything that I mentioned, that I say, that I use the power of my words to attract. Also, the bad things came up. You know, because at that point, in uh, while I was there. I was in such a like negative space and always thinking about the worst, you know, like, oh my gosh, like, you know, like, what if I get injured because I have to jump as a goalkeeper sometimes in training? What if uh, 
all this happened, uh, what is the worst things happen, you know? And indeed, I did get injured, you know? And then I ended up not being longer part of the club. Uh, the club was linked to um, an MLS club at that point. And, and I, I did I did not continue with the with that team right so i again same thing getting into that moment of crisis and and difficult times i go back to what i knew best right i was like you know what i want to be part of an mls mls team as a coach doing what i like one day you know um and i really wanna be in a place that has everything well put together for me to learn as much as I can and absorb the the best knowledge possible from the the best people possible. I didn't know that was going to be off NFC at that point. I needed to have two surgeries uh, at that moment, but I started writing that every day. I was obsessed with it. started writing it down, writing it down, writing it down, writing it down by hand. And uh, a good friend of mine in um, South Carolina, Ended up telling me, Carlos, why didn't you come here? Uh, you help me coaching. His name is Luis Rincon. Um, and come to Francis Mary, you help me coach. You can recover. You can um, actually take your time to, you know, to be fit again, but you can help me coaching. Indeed, we were there uh, for a couple of seasons. Uh, it was a really good time. I was there as a volunteer. And one day out of the blue, uh, a, my good friends, uh, Diego Restrepo and Juan Calais, uh, Diego Restrepo now um, a goalkeeping coach at, um, at this United for the first team, uh, tells me, hey, like, would you like to come to Austin FC? Like, there may be a chance for you to, you know, be, be a goalkeeper coach here. At that point, I was like, oh, like, is this real? He's like, yeah, a lot of people have applied, but, you know, we, we're not fulfilled. Uh, we don't think, uh, you know, you can, you, we think you can be a good candidate because of, you know, your sports psych and, and background and, and, you know, your experience with yourself, your experience with college uh, and so on, you know, and me being involved with Academy and RGV. So I was like, man, you know what? Uh, I'll give it a try. You know, let's see what happens. Uh, I came to uh, to Austin for several interviews, you know, to do also some some goalkeeping training, and uh, obviously with the support of, of of Diego and and after a few interviews, uh, it ended up happening, you know. I, I they they um Tyson offered me the job and 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 here I am, here I am, honestly, uh, living living the dream. Living the dream, working with uh great, great people, you know, and and in an environment that is very uh correct me if, if this is not not a word, but very synergistic. Like everything is so connected. Everything all the way from uh owners, first team down to the U twelve is is in tune, you know, where there is a clear way of doing things where where we may have Obviously, a lot of things that can be better, but like always trying to to strive for excellence, you know, always trying to strive for excellence, and and everybody having 
great connection, whether it's uh the groundskeeping crew, the the housekeepers, the the coaches, the high performance, everybody uh, has something to do with uh, everybody in in the daily basis. So 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 that's that's great. And and here I am now. I won't tell you what my next goals are <laughs> because because I had them in the back of my head, you know, I had them written down. But uh, maybe in a different in a different uh, opportunity, we we can come back to those. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic, and yeah, thank you for sharing so much, Carlos. Because there's a lot there to get through, and I've so many follow up questions. Well, if we're to get right back to the start once again, I mean, you sp spoke about journaling and the importance of setting goals and storytelling within that. I mean, upon reflection back then, what was the one thing that you say that ensured you remained in the game, that you kept getting these opportunities, not only kept getting these opportunities, but kept taking them as well? Um, Honestly, my... I, I never thought of being away from soccer uh, at any moment, whether it was I was a player or whether I was going to be a coach. Uh, I never thought of just being out of it. So every goal that I set, every, everything that I wrote in my journal at that moment regarding to my goals had to do with specifically with, with what I love the most. What I love the most. And again, I didn't know how I was gonna get there. I had no idea. I had no idea. But I knew it was gonna happen. I knew it was gonna happen. Uh well, going back to it, uh Connor, when I uh I met uh um our funding director Juan Delgado before I even met him, you know, my good friend um Brett Otley, actually, uh, which we were assistant coaches together in um, in RGV, he gave me this book of uh, tactical periodization where uh, Coach Juan Delgado uh, is a co-author. Co and I'm like, man, this guy, I started reading about him. I'm like, I would love to work for this guy one day. I just said it. I didn't write it down or anything. I'm like, this guy seems to have like his things like well put together. He knows what's going on. He knows what periodization is. He knows what, uh, obviously, having a method and and uh, the way to, of teaching the game. I was like, I didn't know. I didn't know this was even possible, you know? And funny enough, whenever I come to Austin FC, uh, he's, a, he's a sporting director of, of the academy, you know? So that was another, like, something else that just, like, blew my mind, you know? Like, I couldn't believe it. And you know what rings true this conversation, Carlos, is that you have a high degree of self-awareness. You know, you speak about being obsessed and you do exhibit a lot of those obsessive personality traits. But that was matched. You matched action with being highly accountable of yourself. I mean, when you were setting these goals, did you have short, did you have medium, did you have long-term goals? Because for me, it seems you've been employed in football your whole life. You've been working as a footballer. You've been a goalkeeper. You've been a coach. You've been a goalkeeping coach. Someday soon, I I hope, and I think you hope too, you aspire to be a sports psychologist. So is it a case of 
do you love football or do you love using football as a tool to help others? And uh, that's, I think, um, the the real uh, message behind everything, you know, empowering people. And and, and I found that, I mean, uh, every, every year uh, when together uh with my wife we have this um keywords you know that 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 we are like okay this is the keyword of the year for you this is the keyword of the year for me and empowerment to me has always been that the word you know you know making sure i inspire others to do great things and to believe in themselves you know to believe in themselves more importantly so yeah soccer is the the way to help others to reach their full potential to dream of those things that that they just think they're not attainable. But um, with our guidance as coaches, letting letting them see that it is actually possible. You know, that, that to me is 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 the biggest um um mission, I guess, of, of my life, you know. And I started to realize that as as I started to, to get older, I started to coach. I started I started to see that, you know, and even even with my own story, uh, honestly, um, I have realized that many people are like, oh, wow, like this is crazy. Like I, I could. But like just friends around, you know, again, this is the first time I'm, I'm doing this. And they're like, man, like you, you cannot believe it. You're such a big example, you know. And uh, funny enough, my nephew, which is now the, the Lion King in, in Spain, like he does the Broadway in Spain. uh. A similar a similar thing happened to him but i was there to to be in a way like his mentor because he ended up playing he was playing basketball uh he was 15 i was already in the d1 school and funny enough i was running to europe he got injured uh playing basketball he got some complication with his surgery and everything i went to see him and at that happens i'm like okay do you really want to keep playing basketball like we have a really like hard to hard conversation in the hospital. He's like, honestly, uncle, uh, I I don't like school. Uh, basketball, I think, like because I'm tall, like I feel like almost obligated to play. But my true dream is being acting and and dancing. So I'm like, oh, we're talking about, uh, you want to be more of a a theater, you know, person. And he's like, yes. So I'm like, well. Write it down. I told him that day. Write it down right now. In this moment, now that you're in this, um, in this, uh, you're touching the bottom of, of, um, of, you know, you're in a really tough situation. You know, like write it down, and and eventually it's gonna happen. You know, you're gonna do your therapy. You're gonna do everything. So he actually did it. Then he tells me, "Oh, I got a." cast a, a few uh, almost a year and a half later i got cast for madagascar but i didn't get it you know they told me that i didn't have any experience and i'm like i'm sure something bigger will come you know and he's like yeah i'm just so sad so this point i'm like i'm sure something bigger will come you know and i thought this is me eh? i told him like maybe the lion king you, you know you never know <laughs> funny enough a year and a half later so three years later total he's like Uncle, I can I I say that the screenshot of that message because it's like Uncle, I'm crying. You won't believe it because now I'm I'm doing I'm gonna be the main character of the Lion King. 
And I, I, I couldn't believe it either. You know, I'm like, oh, wow, this, this is real. You know, this is actually, uh, if, if people, if more people knew about this, I'm sure we'll be probably have, you know, uh, many more people like achieving and, and doing great things in life, you know? So, so that to me is, it was something like, oh my goodness, like whether you want to like really like accept it and be, and being like really fully aware of, of what the power of words can do for yourself and for others, you know, like how powerful that can be, you know, wh whether I wanted to accept it or not. So that was something like, that was a night opening for me. You know, and then I realized I started I started actually writing down. I'm like, well, soccer is no my my end goal is actually the way for me to help so many people, you know, so many people around. And 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 I hope Connor uh I, I can keep doing that. You know, I can keep doing that in many different ways. Again, I have so many goals, but like um, you know, I I think Everything that I would love to do is is just at the end of the day to help people and inspire others. You know? Something else when you see that force working in your favor, but it's an almighty other power, isn't it, Carlos? When you see that working for other people, other people in your tutelage. But the law of attraction, if that's what we're going to call it, if that's the name we're going to give it. I mean, for people listening to this podcast, Carlos, that may be unfamiliar with it. Where can they begin? What's the smallest possible step they can take today? Ah, uh, I'll tell you. First, first of all, we have we have obviously so many thoughts in our heads every day. Nowadays, there are so many distractions or inspirations, depends how we want to see it, with, with the amount of screen time that we spend every day. Um, but at the end of the day, I think is in order to make it tangible. Or to start making it tangible is is more about writing it down somewhere, you know, somewhere where you can see it every day. Like and then and from then or or nowadays there's so much technology. I actually just listen to it, you know. I put my own voice in it. I said it. I I do the the affirmation of it. I I said it with 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 a specific tone, you know. And and from then on, just just be present whenever you're listening to it, whenever you're reading it, you know, whenever you see that specific symbol in a corner of your house that is going to remind you of that goal, you know, that you're trying to achieve or or that dream that you're trying to attract, you know. Um, I don't think of material things as much as the actual goal and, and what kind of fulfillment that that's going to, that's going to give me by helping others. And from there, everything else comes, right? It's, 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 it's kind of magic, you know? But like, I will ask, I will tell people uh, in general to think about what, what kind of impact you're going to leave in, in the world. And from there, uh, with their expertise or whatever they want to become, the, whatever they want to do in life, how can they how can they help and inspire others? Speak of empowering and inspiring others, there's one individual I like to bring up. I've had the very good pleasure of meeting him in person this summer and he's been on this podcast. 
Mr. Juan Delgado, you have an even better pleasure of working with him on a daily basis. You know, you speak about that word synergy from that day in Austin last August. There were very few other MLS staffs where I came across over that summer visit where there was just such a degree of high performance. And people ask, what does high performance look like? Well, it looks like alignment from top to bottom where people are highly accountable, they're highly responsible, and they seek ownership. And some of the meetings, some of the exchanges I was privy to that, that was absolutely insane. But for others listening that are maybe a little bit unfamiliar with Austin FC and the work and role which you hold within the academy, how would you describe it, Carlos? Uh, my role, I I, I work um, mainly, obviously, in the on the field with the goalkeepers. I will say that. Um, I also help uh, my good friend uh, Memo, actually, Sifuentes, uh, which you will have a blast uh, talking to to him uh, if you ever invite him to, to your podcast because he's a, a very smart guy, but he is obviously the the main guy doing the pedagogical side uh, of things, uh, parents' education, and the mood meters, all the stuff that had to do with that, and different strategies on the field that that I mean uh, pressure, which uh, pressure is is not a bad thing the, the way we see it. But also, uh, yeah, so he he's in charge of that. So I work with him also um, on the sports side, mental skills training um, of the academy. Um, and and it's, it's an ongoing project, you know, obviously with the supervision of, of, of Juan. Um, we, we try to, to do things and prepare the kids the, in the best way possible for whenever they have to face um, these kind of situations, you know, within the, within the training environment. Mostly, there's a lot of people doing various amounts of work, uh, utilizing various amounts of methods and details with relation to sports psych, Carlos, and many different academies worldwide. I mean, for those early adopters like yourself at Austin FC, where in fact do you see the sports psychology evolving in future years? I think it's, it's going to be uh, a moment where every single... Uh, professional team or a serious academy is going to have a full-time sports psychology and and probably a, a few others that are going to work uh, with with the main sports psychology you know uh, psychologists i think that um, we always talk about the physical aspect of the game the technical aspect the technical aspect of the game the tactical aspect of the game and and we underestimate the psychological side, you know. Us uh, as coaches, uh, including myself, uh, we write a lot of X's and O's, and and we forget about the the mindset that that uh, player, that person may have at that moment, you know. Uh, and all these little things, having having a um pregame routine, you know. Uh, control what they can control before the game, during the game, and after the game. You know, a uh, similar idea: setting up goals, maybe visualizing the game. Like it's it's an extremely important skill, 
And obviously, I use the word skill because all these things, all this, all this can be learned. You know, is is such an important part of high performance athletes. And and I'll say, obviously, uh, any human, any any human, if you want to prepare for an interview, you know, if you're going um uh, to work, you know, like 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 what is what is what is that moment for you to reset, you know? If you are being very emotional, very hyped, or you know, how can you reset? Now imagine you playing playing um a football with another twenty one guys uh, and trying to be synchronized, you know, and being being present when where so many distractions are going are going on, you know. So we call invisible training to uh, eating well, doing 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 region. And I think sports psychology is, pro- is probably even bigger than than the, than the previous things uh, I mentioned, you know. And so, is there an optimal ratio, Carlos, as to the amount of psychological work that ought to be done in a football club as opposed to the physical technical? Or is it just drip fed throughout all four corners, let's say? Sorry, can you repeat that? Yeah, is there an optimal ratio, Carlos, as to the amount of psychological work that ought to be done in a football academy with respect to physical and technical. Is is there enough? I I think we're still um in um doing baby steps towards towards uh what what it should be ideally. And I think there's a, a lot more to do there. I think that if you just like you have uh, several coaches for, um, for a training session and uh, and different um people in high performance, uh, to do the the physical aspect and and um, region and so many other things. I think for for sports psych is you need also a a team, a team a a a team is gonna be needed, you know, because again like. Uh, for example, for us having five different teams, the level of maturity of a U12 is not going to be the same as a U17 player, you know. And I'm fully somebody fully dedicating time uh, and attention to to those players on each team is is needed in order to achieve the 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 full potential of those players, you know. Uh, and and also like making sure they're in a good stage regarding uh, mental health, you know, which is something that we mention and, and talk about in other disciplines, but but not so much in sports. Uh, it's, it's starting to happen more, but uh, is I think we we should speed up uh, the process. You know, again we we are we are doing a, a really good job, uh, uh, but also. Um, trying to to do things better you know because I, I think we just again uh, on the beginning stages of of what a sports, a sports like really is going to be and you speak you know? about the wider football industry Carlos you know in, with respect to the sports psychology they really are taking baby steps you know I mean what's preventing the buy-in to it as a whole why are certain clubs so apprehensive? To yeah. you want me to tell you uh 
my honest uh, opinion, how I think that it's very difficult when, uh, as a coach, when you see somebody else that has no, that is not part of your actual staff talking uh, to your players. You know, there is that sense of uh, loss of control, you know, and and obviously, if you obviously you know about this, how psychologists are in the into the spectrum of oh my gosh, if you're crazy, you go to the psychologist, or if you are uh, not feeling well, you go to the psycho- you go to the psychologist, you know, and obviously that can be the case, but in, in our industry, it's more about a uh, giving the the players the person tools to maximize their full potential at all times and under the most stressful moments they can ever face and still be successful that that's how i see it you know but uh i i think we're slowly start uh, opening up you know like there are there there are some uh, coaches that start to to accept and understand uh, what what the, the actual role for a sports psychology is. And also, obviously, to the sports psychologists out there, understanding also that there's a boundary, right? On into into what is there to what what is your actual role and uh and what is crossing the line as well, you know, because that cases like that has happened also. You know, it's it's just it's just um Find that balance is key. And, you know, learning and growth has been such a huge part of your journey today, Carlos. I mean, I'm just wondering, Austin FC Academy now, one of the best, let's say, in the MLS. You know, you're at the peak of your career. You've enjoyed such a wonderful career in the game of football. What are you most curious about now? In my case, uh, honestly, um. I am very uh, excited about what the future may bring, but also is is I feel like empathy nowadays uh, comes to my mind whenever I think about soccer and I see all the challenges the coaches face, the head coaches face, you know, because I'll be honest with you, Connor, it's it's so easy. For me as an assistant coach, used to be like, oh, I would have done this differently. You know, I would have done that differently. But me never being on in their shoes and not knowing all the different pressure that they may be facing, uh, all the things that are in their heads, you know, and 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 getting to to know the different um how many decisions they have to make within a day. You know how much planning goes through through everything and and coordinating with all the different departments. You know, with with the high performance, uh, with the directors, with uh the goalkeeper coach himself, with uh with the high performance department is is amazing. You know, it's amazing. I I've been working closely with the academy coaches, and and admirations admiration comes comes to to my mind and. And uh, is is that's the feeling that you know I have for them because first of all they're great coaches, but also they're great 
at taking big decisions, the best decisions for the players and also for the club, you know? So so one day, I, I mean, to me, that's, again, within, within soccer, within the sport, uh, that's something I, I would love to to experience, you know, I would love to experience. Uh, to, to me, that's that's very magical, having to deal with so many egos, to so many so many different departments, and still make the best decisions uh, for everyone, you know. I still go. I have a family. And <laughs> have your kids. I have all the problems you may have. You may be facing, you know. Um, and the reason why I'm telling you this, Connor, is because before I was very curious about teaching uh, in a university uh, environment. I had a chance to do this this past summer in UT. I, I, th- I taught a summer class. It's called Strategy and Sports Organization. And I'm like, I don't think this is boring, but this is far too easy. That's what I thought, you know. And then I was like, what am I curious about? The question you asked me. And then I I started thinking about oh my gosh, like uh Javi Cano, like guys are so well prepared and they have to deal with so many things in a day. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is this is amazing. This is amazing because they don't realize how how great of a contribution they're doing to the world and, and obviously to organization daily. Um uh, besides everything else they have in, in their own lives, you know? So so to me, that, that's it. Like one day, obviously learning a lot from them right now, I would love to have that chance. No, doesn't have to be right now. Honestly, it's not my priority, but just uh, the admiration and and the learning process have started to, I don't know, maybe 10 years, five years, eight years from now, be being in, in those positions. Empathy and the power of being able to walk in somebody somebody's shoes. Absolutely fantastic. And Carlos, I mean, before we close, I mean, you've been a massive inspiration to me. We've only known each other as of August, but some of the conversations we've had in the interim have been absolutely enlightening and heartwarming to to find out that there's certain there's a certain breed of people within this football industry that truly are out there to not only empower others within their domain, but the greater industry as a whole. And I hold you as one of those people. But for anyone who is that even slightly inspired, like myself, who has learned so much about, so much more about you today in this podcast, I mean, and who wants to take a journey of their own into that big, bad world of the football industry, what advice would you have for them? Don't stop dreaming. Don't start dreaming and just within the be within the structure that you may have. Uh don't don't start dreaming, but like also use your imagination to to achieve your goals. You know, you can be very well organized, you can be very well uh structured, but without imagination, uh it's so hard to achieve any kind of dream. You know, and I feel like uh, kids out there have it, ha- have that power, you know. But as we become adults and we start getting so much information uh, from from other, for things that happen around us, outside us, 
you know, we start losing it. And and I think that without without imagination, without without the fact of dreaming and 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 thinking of of big things, thinking about the perfect world, you know, even when things aren't going well, it's so hard to achieve your goals. So so difficult to achieve your goals, you know. And and to me, to me, that's that's the biggest thing. So you know, for for all those um, listeners, you know, whether you're an adult, whether you're a young kid, you know, whether you're older, like you know, like think about what you want to do. You know, think about the day you're, you know, on your last breath. You know, like what will you be satisfied with at that moment? before you're gone you know and then after that just strive for it strive for it that's 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 what i will say absolutely fantastic mr ortiz it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on connor thank you very much for having me and you know it's always a pleasure to talk to you <laughs>